Yes, I'm doing fine. It's been some time. Hare Krishna Prabhu, Dhanat Naam Jashla Prabhupada. Hare Krishna, Himanshu Prabhu, please accept my humble obeisances, Ogrishtisha Prabhupada. Hare Krishna, Bhakta Kaviyarasu, Dimitri Prabhu. Hare Krishna Prabhu, Tenor Pranam, Ogrishtisha Prabhupada. Ogrishtisha Prabhupada. How was uh, all of your Janmashtami festival? Did you go to Sorry. Prabhu is going very wonderful. You went to Singapore? Yeah, Prabhu. Now also in Singapore. Oh, Jai. How long have you oh yes, uh, Sindagopa Prabhu told me you were staying there, right? For some time? Yes, Prabhu. Until uh, Radhastami. Wow. Since when? Since when, Prabhu? Since uh, uh, from uh, one week before Jai Janmashtami. Oh, Jai, you must be feeling the power of Sadhu Sangha. It's very different, right, to live in the temple, such a such a high standard, isn't it? Yeah. Very good. What about you, Sami Prabhu? How was your Janmashtami? You celebrated at home or you went to a nearby temple? Hmm. Oh, nice, nice. They have uh, one chariot or three? One chariot. Yes. Mm -hmm. Very nice that you... How far away is it? How long it takes you to get there? Oh, yeah. Mm. So you're quite remote, huh? You live in a, a suburb. Mm. Okay. You, um, you celebrated at home alone or with your friend? Yeah, seems like people are very spread out in your country, right? How about you, Himanshu Prabhu? Yes, Prabhu, it was a very nice experience. Uh, like I first time gone to temple and lot of services and everything. So, and when I came like, uh, came home, then I felt very uh, miss missing. Like you I went, came home. You went to Buddhism. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I went. Uh, then I also came back because that was admission time. And now I'm again going for Radha Ashtami. So uh, uh, from Radha Ashtami, I will be like uh, there two hours, uh, like uh, far, just two hours far from temple. Mm. So I can go anytime. So I will be visiting at weekends and at festivals uh, while attending the college. Very nice. That was the first time that you went to Puducherry Temple? Yeah, yes, bro. Oh, nice. So it must be a great experience. First time you're going on Janmashtami. Yeah, yes, bro. 
And uh, without his authorization, without finding any proofs in any of his instructions, books, letters, whatever, they have concocted this idea, you know. So your name, I think uh, your name shows that you're supposed to be a, a great uh, warrior in Prabhupada army. You know, Haridvika Acharya. I thought, <laughs> I thought you were kidding, you know. I thought, because actually when... Uh, yeah, on May 28, when um, Tamal Krishna was speaking with Shri Prabhupada, Prabhupada said um, uh, that he would be appointing some officiating Acharya. And then Tamal Krishna replied, is that called Ridvik Acharya? He actually said that. Is that called Ridvik Acharya? And Shri Prabhupada said, Ridvik, yes. You know. Okay. So very, very glad. Okay, here we have Dimitri Prabhu who said, uh, I wanted to visit our Yatra for Janmashtami, but I couldn't make it due to my job. I hope I can do this later. It's very tough without physical association. I think you know what I mean. Well, it's a hard step to take because of attachment. It, it actually doesn't have any factuality. Uh, I was also working before, and I have a family to to support. I mean, you do not have a wife or children, uh, so so I also thought that how things will go on without me working, without getting a salary, and here I am, living in a much more expensive apartment than I used to when I was working, and uh, getting more comfort than I used when I was working. So. You know, to think that we're the doer of our maintenance is actually a, some false ego. Of course, it takes time to purify that, you know. Most devotees are not full-time, right? Most devotees, they have got their job and all. And if you push too much, then it can, it's, hard, it's dangerous because the devotee might break. To make that leap, actually, it was not a matter of, of my choice uh, to become full-time. It was really the Lord's mercy. He's the one who brought me out of this working business and then brought me into the full-time world, you know. Um, on, I prayed I prayed for the mercy of the Lord to, to uh, force me to surrender. And this is really what, um, how I managed to get out of it. Because Shaprabhad made it very clear that uh, if you surrender, Krishna will support you and your family. Okay, so Aditya is here. Is this our Aditya? Hare Krishna Prabhu, please accept my humble obeisances. Augusto Shavapalan. Hare Krishna Prabhu. Are you our Aditya, the one I spoke to yesterday? Yes. Okay. Good. Very good. Welcome on to the live class. So, okay, let me search out something. There's a, a very strong quote. I've put it in one of uh, our recent vlogs. And uh, it's one of the quotes that got me to surrender, actually, that helped me pray to surrender. Where Shri Prabhupada says that uh, Okay, yes, so here it is. <clears throat> this is in uh, Who can uh, who can share the screen? Who's in charge of that? 
Okay. Can you go find um, Shrimad Bhagavatam? Okay, I think I'll just put the link here for you. This is not it. Okay, can you find this class? So, Shimad Bhagavatam 3.26.21. Bombay, December 30th, 1974. Uh, yeah, very good. Okay, then you go, uh, you can press like a command, command F to find a word in this and you you can type uh let's say shanti s-a-n-t-i with this uh this Prabhupada books now has got some problems searching words with the uh, okay you scroll down okay yeah okay it's working everyone is suggesting uh okay wait, wait, wait a second huh? okay wait a second uh Okay, you start reading. Who wants to start reading from the... Then you can get Shanti. Completely cleans means... Or or just like the Shanti can be attained when the Sattva Gunam Swacham, when the Sattva Guna, your status, yeah. Okay, we can read uh, We can read this class and go along. Who wants to read? Hare Krishna Prabhu. Okay, I'm happy. I'm having problem with my connection. So if if I get disconnected, uh, you can wait and I'll be coming back. Can can you still hear me now? Yes, Prabhu. Yes. Okay, here it says you're you you lost your network connection, so it might be cutting soon, you know. Anyway. Uh, okay, you can go on reading. The Shanti can be attained when the Sattvagunam Svacham, when the Sattvaguna, your status will be on the Sattvaguna and completely cleansed. Then you can get Shanti. Completely cleansed means that is explained in the Bhagavad Gita. Na Satchati, na Kangsati. There is no lamentation and there is no hankering. Then it is Shanti. As soon as there is no some hankering, you cannot have shanti that is not possible and so as soon as there is some possession you cannot be without lamentation the two things material they are are they are ruling over us we are hankering after something which do not possess and what we possess if it is lost then we are lamenting so shanti means no hankering no lamenting that is called shanti Okay, Hare Krishna, just now I was out. I just came back in. I see Ayapa Prabhu is here. Hare Krishna Prabhu. Krishna Prabhu, So have you read this? Yes, Prabhu. Okay. Um, so Shanti means no hankering, no lamenting. That is Shanti. Right? Uh, who can who can quote the verse from Bhagavad Gita that says that no hankering, no lamenting? Na shochati na kanchati. Na shochati na kanchati. 
Sama Sadeh Shubut, yeah, 1854. Very good. So Brahma Buddha platform, right? So that's what it means to be peaceful. You have no more demand. You have no more anchoring. Yes. So Brahma Buddha Prasadman and Sochati Nakangchati Sarma Sarvedu Param. So unless we come to this platform of not wanting anything, there's no um, there's no question of actually starting real devotional service. Um, okay, we can go back to that class. I don't want to deviate. The thing that I want to speak about is later on. Okay, you're reading. So generally, so so generally, whatever we may possess, but the hankering is there. That is Rajogun, Rajoguna. That is Rajoguna. Always anchoring, even up to the stage of so-called perfection, just like the karmis. Karmis they think that perfection of life is very very high standard of life. Very happy, comfortable, yes. just like in Western countries. So you see, this um, karmic mentality has to be purified. And actually working is, um, is a karmic mentality, you know, to amass wealth. Of course, it's not that I'm, I'm condemning anything here, but we are speaking on the strength of Sastra. You know. Why this karma yoga is there? Why should Prabhupada engage some of his disciples to work and give money to the temple? Because all of a sudden, if you tell that person that, no, you give up and you just become full-time, then uh, if the devotee is not ready, it will create an adverse effect. Huh? What is that verse in Bhagavad Gita that says, as to not disrupt the mind who are, of those who are um, addicted to fruitive work? I think it's in the second chapter, right? Okay, third, 3.26. Can we take out 326? Yes. So let not, let not the wise disrupt the minds of the ignorant who are attached to fruitive action. They should not be encouraged to refrain from work, but to engage in work in the spirit of devotion. Hmm. So you see, <clears throat> work consists <clears throat> of two aspects. There is the work itself and there is the result. So it's divided into two. So in the beginning, one has to be encouraged to give up the result and not the actual work itself. Because one is attached to that specific work. You know, uh, To give you an example, here in China, there's a Bhakta called Bhakta Mark. Maybe you saw him in, in one of our latest blogs. We went to visit his factory. He's doing all the you know, uh, I don't know how to say, like things that you put in your garden, you know, like gnomes and cats and things like that. So he has a, a very strong uh, businessman nature. He, he likes to be busy. I don't know if you've seen that blog, you could see him with like four or five screens. Yeah, huh? so he's got like these four or five screens in front of him and he has to deal with all this, uh, you know, brain-breaking uh, things day in, day out. He stays in his office sometimes until 12 at night and so on. So uh, 
very, very addicted to this kind of business mentality, you know. So uh, for a person like this, he's not capable of becoming full-time because he's just too much addicted to this type of activity. So in the beginning, we have to encourage to give up the result first. And in this way, that will help him uh, become purified and uh, be relieved from this karmic mentality of work, uh, working, working. Because it's not a fact that we maintain ourselves. Um, whatever we are meant to have, we will have. The pleasure and pain are already set. Now that pleasure and pain you cannot change. Even though, let's say, you change uh, by your endeavor, you get more money, let's say. Still, that pleasure and pain is fixed. Mm. My point is that even though you increase your amount of money, let's say, that you can do by your work, you will still have the same amount of comfort and discomfort as if you did not endeavor in the first place. And in fact, if you endeavor more than what you're supposed to, to, to accept as your quota, you will be increasing your suffering and not the opposite. Uh, what is that verse of the Shemad Bhagavatam? Anyone knows that uh, as long as he doesn't start his endeavor for, to search for happiness, you know, he's happy. <laughs> As soon as he starts to try to be happy, then uh, he becomes disturbed. Um, let me see. Huh? So I think it's in the, which is an example. Okay, there's one we can go see meanwhile. 11.3.18. So 11.3.18, someone can read that. Sri Prabhupada said, Prabhupada. Prabuddha said, accepting the roles of male and female in human society, the conditioned souls unite in sexual relationships. Thus, they constantly make material endeavors to eliminate their unhappiness and un unlimitedly increase their pleasure. But one should see that they in inevitably achieve exactly the opposite result. In other words, their happiness inevitably vanishes. And as they grow older, their material discomfort increases. Yeah, so we see everybody is trying to work for happiness. So oh, I'm going to become comfortable and this and that. But we see that they're always distressed. The carrot is always in front of them. You know, whether it be our parents, our family members, people we see outside. Everybody's endeavoring by, by their own work to, to get a comfortable situation. But we see they're always complaining. They're always having this problem that emerges. And in fact, it just increases more and more. And here it says they're trying to eliminate things, but they don't see that time is crushing their body to, to, to old age. And that means what? That means increasing misery. Because as we grow old, there's more and more diseases and discomforts that come. So, yeah. Okay, another good one. Um, famous one that Prabhupada often quotes directly or indirectly. It's uh, 763. 
Prahlad Maharaj continued, "My dear friends, born of demonic families, the happiness perceived with reference to the sense objects by contact with the body can be obtained in any form of life, according to one's past fruitive activities. Such happiness is automatically obtained without endeavour, just as we obtain distress." Yeah. Yeah. There are two things. It's two sides of the same coin. There's pleasure and displeasure. You cannot be situated like without those. Sometimes it's a mix of both, right? So it's the side of the same coin. So if displeasure comes without being invited, then it it will continue spinning, isn't it? So happiness will also come without being invited, because it's a counterpart, right? So when it spins, just like winter and summer. So, so when it spins like this, at one point unhappiness will come. So unhappiness will go away on its own too, and then happiness will come. So there should not be um, such a, a great endeavor to try to to be comfortably situated, even if it's our own work, you know, and so on. So, so the whole point of giving to the temple fifty percent. Why Prabhupada always quotes Sanatan Goswami's example of fifty percent? It's so that we can become purified of this mentality of work, uh, because we see that even in Prabhupada's time, there were many great Grihasta couple who were engaged full time, just like his two couples that he sent to uh, to London, right, to the UK. Uh, I forgot the name of the, the devotees, but he sent two couples, I believe, and it was so successful. So these couples, they were not working, but they were maintained by who? By Krishna directly. So there was no need to work. <clears throat> okay, um, just like now, the verse we saw with Prahlad Maharaj. Prahlad Maharaj is saying, uh, happiness will come also uh, without uh, uh, endeavoring for it. Who knows another verse in Bhagavatam that says the same thing? It's in the first canto. Okay, one five eighteen. Persons who are actually intelligent and philosophically inclined should endeavor only for that for that purposeful end, which is not obtainable even by wandering from the topmost planet Brahmaloka down to the lowest planet Patala. As far as happiness derived from sense sense enjoyment is concerned, it can be obtained automatically in course of time, just as in course of time we obtain miseries even though we do not desire them. You see, so here they are, they are recommending, they're saying persons who are actually intelligent and philosophically inclined should endeavor only for that purposeful end, which is not obtainable. So only to advance spiritually, only to, to advance towards Prema Bhakti. So then, okay, well, if I only endeavor for that, what about my maintenance? That's, that's why the, in the second part of the verse says, don't worry about that. That happiness that you'll get, you'll obtain automatically in due course of time. It will come. You don't need to endeavor for it. Just like miseries will come also. So there's no need to uh, uh, try to get it. It will come naturally. 
now, okay, another verse that I spoke in the beginning saying that uh, the more you endeavor to be happy, the more miserable you are. So it's 7, 742. In this material world, every materialist desires to achieve happiness and diminish his distress, and therefore he, he acts accordingly. Actually, however, one is happy as long as one does not endeavor for happiness. As soon as one begins his activities for happiness, his conditions of distress begin. Right. So now in our modern society, people understand that happiness comes from money. That is the main understanding. Because we think, okay, if I have money, I can get a comfortable situation, is it not? I can get more uh, objects of sense enjoyment. I can pay for tickets to go and travel. Uh, I can get a more beautiful girlfriend. I can go to nice restaurants and so on. So therefore, they start to work very hard. So they don't understand that, that what I want is ha so-called happiness. But what am I going through at the moment? I'm waking up, you know, early, full of stress, going to work, typing on the computer all day long, having to deal with a bus that I hate, having some coworkers talking, you know, all day long in each other's back. I mean, the, the list of discomfort is just unending. And we think that, oh, you know, I'll, I'll be happy. In fact, you've increased your unhappiness. So, and what is all this cool going on? You know, mo a lot of you are students. You're all suffering because of these so-called uh, tests and uh, studies, right? You're all going through suffering. So why? Because your parents want you to become so-called happy, isn't it? Actually, you're existing at the moment. You have, you have what you need, right? You have your food. You have your roof. But no, go to school and study a whole bunch of things that you don't need. And remember it, put it in your brain, and then it will test you. You know, it will increase your stress level to a uh, hundred. And then, uh, if you fail, then we'll scold at you and this and that. So, so much suffering is there for what? Only to try to become happy materially. But there are some people who never went to school and they've got their bread earning thing. You know, maybe he's a rickshaw driver or whatever. And he's not as stressed and anxious as others. He knows that I'm going to drive that rickshaw to today and, you know, I'll get a few few rupees and that'll be it. So he's not so much, of course, there's some suffering because after all, this is the material world and who can avoid. But he's not as stressed as the university student, although he's a rickshaw driver. Why? Because he's not been endeavoring so much. He's just, okay, well, this is my fate. You know, I'll just do that. That's it. So... The more we try to make our position comfortable within this material world, the more we'll be filled with anxiety and stress and problems. It's just the way it works because we are swimming against the current. Uh, what is that current? That is the supreme will. Krishna doesn't want us to stay here. He wants us to go back. And this is not a reality. It's not a real place to be. Therefore, we swim in a notion of... Uh, the different desires of all the living entities. There's not only one desire here. It's billions. It's an infinity of desires. Everybody's fighting to be the Lord. 
So of course you you'll be you'll be suffering, you know. If you're put into a giant room with a million person and everybody is trying to to lord it over others, everybody will be hitting one another. This is what's going on in the material world. But in the spiritual world, there's only one one uh, one purpose, one desire, and therefore there's unity. So this so-called material happiness, it, it won't come. It's it's a it's a dream. It's an illusion. You know. Okay, let's go back to that uh, class. Okay, just like in Western countries. Just like in Western, just like in the Western countries, they think that we have nice roads, nice motor car, and very high skyscraper building and facilities, modern comforts. What is called so that is the standard of happiness. And we Eastern people, we are also imitating them, but actually. Ask them who possesses all them that whatever you have attained the position of no hankering. No, that is not possible. The anchoring is there. What to think of possessing these material facilities? Even one goes to the heavenly planet that is also included within the happiness of the karmis. They want happiness in this world so well as after this world, after death also. They want to go to the heavenly planet, Svargaloka, where the duration of the life is many, many thousands of years and the standard of happiness is very, very high. There the place is very beautiful. The women are also beautiful. The gardens there, these descriptions are there. Nandana Kanana and Apsaras, there are. So this is also another higher standard of life, duration of life. That is the position of karmis. Yes. So now modern civilization is so fallen that they do not even believe in an, in an existence after this life. So at least um, in Vedic culture, those who were less intelligent, even they believe that there's a continuity. You see? So they they believe that okay after this body is done i'm going to continue another existence so in other words i'm going to be sleeping for seven months you know death means sleeping for seven months or nine months whatever so just like now if you're going to bed tonight and you start to sleep nine months later you wake up that is death there's no death actually just you stop for a while and then you continue again that is there's we we never die you see so um this uh Vedic civilization, even the normal peasant in the field, he understood that this is not the end. So now we're so fallen that we think not only this. So now we're very, very, very uh, stupid, our civilization. We only focus on this one life. But the stupid people back in, in, in the Vedic times, even though they knew they're not this body, that we're going to be, still, they're thinking about my sense gratification in the next life. You know? So that is another form of stupidity. We can say uh, uh, stupidity covered with a little knowledge. You know, we can go see eleven, ten, twenty-one. Actually, let us go from eleven, ten, seventeen, and then go go up. Yes. Although the performer of fruitive activities desires perpetually happiness, 
it is clearly observed that the materialistic workers are often unhappy and on, only occasionally satisfied thus proving that they are not independent or in control of their destiny when a person is always under the superior control of another how can he expect any valuable results from his own fruitive actions yes so that is we to understand that we are not all in all that is very simple but foolish people who are so uh, puffed up by their own work thing that they can control everything is it not just time when i was crying, i used to love money for for small reasons you know time and my my brother was telling me oh you know you're so careless and this and that and then i told my brother i said no i was really careful this time you know i i i, I made sure that i would not pass and i just said i just don't know what happened really so even though i was a karmi at that time i said i told my brother i said no there's something else I told him like that, you know, I, I said, I try my best. And I said, no, there's something else. So I could kind of start to, you know, very little glimpse to understand that there's something else that was working against me. You know, now I realize it's Krishna's mercy. He took away my money, you know, because what would I do with this 5,000 yuan? So there's something else. And this is how we can see, you know, here it says, although a performer of fruitive activities desires perpetual happiness, so that is a fact. Everybody wants to be happy. It is clearly observed. Clearly. There's no doubt about it. It's very easy. Anybody, any person's life that we have some little contemplation upon, we will see that. It is clearly observed that materialistic workers are often unhappy and only occasionally satisfied, thus proving that they are not independent or in control of their destiny. Voila, that's it. That's the, that's the proof that there's some other thing at work. Just like if I take this and see my camera, I take this uh, and I want to put it here and I put it here and I'm in control, is it not? I want to put it back there. So I never fail. That means there's no other thing at work here. Of course, you know, there is, you know, my hand could stop working and this and that, but you know, grossly speaking, I'm in full control. I'm putting it to here and I'm putting it, so I'm controlling. But if I want to put that thing here and every time I'm kind of failing somehow or other, I'm not taking it. And I, so I can understand there's something wrong. There's something else at work. Could you see my camera just now? Yes, okay. Okay. <laughs> so this is the way we can understand it. Everybody wants to be happy and they, that's it. You know, I just want happiness, but there's always something that comes in between, you know, just like my wife's father, He's always blaming my wife that, oh, you know, you're running away, you know, becoming a devotee and this and that. So he's blaming her because basically he's suffering. Uh, he's trying to be happy, but he's always, you know, covered with so many. Uh, he's got a disease recently, like a brain, a sort of tumor in the brain. So all his children had to pitch in some money to help him, save him out. So, and he's always distressed, you know. So we all know people like that, right? That they are very much endeavoring, doing their duty as best as they could. But somehow or other, here it is said, uh, they are, uh, are often unhappy. So most of the time they're unhappy and only occasionally satisfied. On occasion, 
when, okay, let's say that now their senses have been nicely satisfied, then they'll, they'll feel, um, you know, rested for some time. But very soon after, the senses again demand more, right? So there's no, as Prabhupada said, have you attained the platform of non-demand, right? Of not uh, having this eagerness. Uh, what is the word that Prabhupada used? Uh, this nasochiti, uh, uh, right? Nakanchiti. Anyway, so to not to to feel satisfied, satiated, that now I don't have any much urge. They cannot, you know, so always again, even though they might feel satisfied for some time, again, the senses demand and okay, start working again. All right, I got to start again. And this and that. So this is the karmic mentality. You know, I have to, I'm addicted to perform work and to enjoy the result of my work. Okay, next, next verse. is observed within the material world that sometimes even an intelligent person is not happy. Similarly, sometimes even a great fool is happy. The concept of becoming happy through ex ex expertly performing material activities is simply a useless exhibition of false egotism. Ego ego yes, that's it. It's only a useless exhibition of false egoism. To think that by my endeavor, by my own hands, right? I'll, I'll be able to do it. They like to say that uh, here, especially, you know, in the country where I am, atheistic country, communist, they are so puffed up speaking like this. But what can you do? You might have seen that there's a drought here in China, in the central of China, no rain for like two months or something like that. Now the rivers are drying. So what they tried to do is to shoot some little missiles in the clouds <laughs> with some chemical in order to make it rain. It didn't work, you know. So what do you think, you know, that there's no controller? So that's it. Atheists, they think all of this, there's no one controlling. I'm I'm the one who's going to be loading it over everything. I'm going to make the rain, uh, the, the cloud rain, you know. So very demonic. They want to take Krishna's place, you know. So it didn't work. And now the whole, you know, the whole central of China, the Yangtze River is drying up. A lot of people, now they're forcing people to, uh, uh, yeah, here we don't feel it in South China. South China is more of a, a wet weather. So for the moment, we don't feel that. But Central China, they feel it, you know. They're telling everybody, we cannot, you cannot lower your air conditioning lower than 26. Uh, they're telling the workers, don't take the lift, take the staircase. So many things like this. So symptom of Kali Yoga. It's predicted in the 12th canto of Shrimad Bhagavatam. There will be no rain. So we're seeing those symptoms happen, happening in an atheistic country because Kali Yoga means what? More and more atheists, more and more demons. So wherever on the planet there are more demons, such symptoms of the Kali Yoga will become prominent first, right? So we see it happening here in China. The next step is going to be what? That because of this drought, because of all this lack of rain and so on, they're going to be taxing the people. Oh, relief program. Right. Oh, now we need some. We need a plan. We need a plan to counteract this. We don't have enough water. Now we have this big, big plan, but uh, we're going to be taxing all of you a little bit so that, you know, communists, we're all together in this. Right. We're going to fight off. Give us more money. So in this way, the taxation is going to increase. 
And that's how it's going to be. Oh, now there's less grains. Now there's less fruits, less vegetables. Okay, you know, you have to, we cut your pension in half. Your retirement money, we cut it in half. We'll take that away, you know. So in this way, people will be so much embarrassed that they'll be leaving the, the cities, you know, going to the forest, it says, and eat roots and leaves. It's described in Bhagavatam. Can you imagine? Would you like to go to the forest and eat roots and leaves? How much painful that would be? Well, city life is going to be more painful than that. Hmm. Uh, Sami Prabhu is speaking of nuclear wars. Yeah, so, you know, this is all coming. Prabhupada predicted nuclear war will be there. So, okay, next verse. Even if people know how to achieve happiness and avoid unhappiness, they still do not know the process by which death will not be able to exert its power over them. Yes. So even, okay, now it's been established that you cannot, you're not in control of your happiness and unhappiness because previous verse was saying sometimes a very intelligent person is unhappy and sometimes a fool is happy, right? We see sometimes it is said that there's a saying that there's only two persons that are happy in the material world. One is the self-realized soul and one is the, the complete fool. Uh, we see sometimes there are people who are completely lost, you know, the mind is gone. And they, they're happy, they're laughing, and they're smiling, and, you know, <laughs> completely oblivious, you know. So, um, intelligence, they are very much puffed up with their intelligence. And it said that intelligent men is sometimes unhappy. Because generally with intelligent, Hare Krishna Satyam Prabhu. So generally with intelligence, we are capable of performing material activity better. That's a fact. And actually that's a kind of, that's one of the cause by which one can get what he wants. But it's not the supreme cause. It can influence, it's a fact, that if you're you know, more intelligent, you can get things better done or you can minimize some suffering. But if Daiva is not there, if the arrangement of the Lord is not in favor, if Krishna does not want, you cannot do it. It's not possible. There's five causes, right, for the accomplishment of all action. Who knows this verse in the Bhagavad Gita? Five causes. Okay. Let's see. So it's in the chapter 18, I believe. Yes. So. 18, 13, and 14. You can keep that tab open because we'll go see other verses later on. So, yeah. Okay, here, okay, in this version, they, they, they separated the verses. In the original Bhagavad Gita, uh, it's 13 and 14 together. Never mind. Okay, you read this. Okay, yeah. Yeah, just, just read from there. It's okay. Oh, mighty armed Arjuna, according to the Vedanta, there are five causes for the accomplishment of all action. 
now learn of this from me okay um can you can you go can you show the the original translation that 13 and 14 together from the propadabooks.com the translation is a bit different sami prabhu could you yeah you take that one and then you you no 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 the go back to propada books and then you just select uh, show the okay even even is it because go on something else in the left tab on the top open the something else tab on top uh synonyms everything is checked right okay uh just type propada books slash bg slash 18 okay scroll down uh 13 14 okay Oh mighty Amdarjuna, learn from me of the five factors which bring about the accomplishment of all actions. These are declared in Sankhya philosophy to be the place of ac- action, the performer, the senses, the endeavor, and ultimately, ultimately the super soul. Yeah, so there are everything we do in life. There's it's a mixture of these five factors. now people they they hardly accept any of these factors except the endeavor itself that's all you know just like propad gave the example that sometimes a businessman uh, he's making business so he's going to the stock exchange let's say or to the business market or whatever so the 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 place the place of action will will definitely influence if you try to make business and you're in alaska I don't think you'll make as good business as if in your New York City, isn't it? So the place of action is influencing that uh, result. Now the performer, if you ask, you know, a 14-year-old boy to do the same business or like an experienced 40 40-year-old man, then definitely the the experienced man will be more um successful. The senses, right? The senses, the mind, the intelligence, working senses also for example playing basketball the senses of those who play basketball the athletes the working senses the, the arms and the legs are much more developed they have you know they have they are used to throw the ball into the the ring so much but but a man who has not prepared his senses for playing this basketball if he plays it will definitely um i mean influence the result although both of them want to put the ball in that ring isn't it then the endeavor so yes endeavor here is that it does influences the uh, result of an action but it's not supreme uh, of course if i just sit down and eat and sleep there's much more chance that i make less money than someone who's endeavoring a lot it's a fact so we don't say that it's not but it's not supreme you cannot go against your destiny and that destiny is ultimately the super soul here it says ultimately the super soul 
So I prefer that translation because here it says, you know, these are declared in the Sankhya philosophy. Uh, the other translation said in the Veda, in the Vedanta Sutra, I think. Or anyway, so and ultimately the super soul. So Daiva Netrena, hmm, Daiva. What is this Daiva? What Krishna is making us work hard and this and that? No, Daiva means Krishna's arrangement post our material desire. Post, that means after. After our material desire and after our karmic, um, I mean, due, then Krishna will give. Uh, so therefore it is said super soul or sometimes it says daiva, you know, divine arrangement, divine cause. It doesn't say Krishna directly. Okay. So these five, uh, um, yes, that is the, the painting that uh, you see some man is buying a cloth. Right. So the place of action, it's a market. So the man might not have wanted to buy a cloth on that day, but he's walking in the market. So it's influencing his action. He did not think that, you, know, you see, so it's not just the result of action that is influenced by these five causes. The action itself is influenced by these five causes. Uh, he was not thinking to buy a cloth. Maybe he went to the market to buy a watch. And now he's buying a nice sari for his wife. So he's buying a sari. Now the performer, uh, if it was a boy, he wouldn't think about buying a sari because he doesn't have a wife. So the person who, who walks in that street will perform different actions according to his situation. Now the senses, okay, the man is touching, right? He, maybe he can reach only a sari that is in the reach of his arm. He has shorter arm. So he's going to buy the red sari instead of the blue sari, which is further away. Or maybe, you know, he, he cannot feel the delicate uh, silk because maybe he burned his fingertip because he's a puri fryer. He, he fries puri whole day, so his fingertips are all <laughs> numb. So he cannot make the distinction between silk and cotton. So he's going to buy the cotton one. All right, the senses. The endeavor... Uh, maybe he's thinking, I'll buy the best sari for my wife. And, and because of that, he's going to go see 10 different sari shop. And then, yeah, he might get. So because of, of his endeavor, he's suffering more. You know, he has to walk to 10 different sari shop. But he might get a better sari. Who knows? Maybe not also. Maybe he'll be tired after all and not buy the sari after all. But ultimately, it's super soul. Super soul is uh, conducting, right? I'm sitting in everyone's heart. And I'm conducting, uh, you know, the living entity city as a as in a machine. What is that verse? I believe it's The Supreme Lord is situated in everyone's heart, who Arjuna, and, and is directing the wandering of all living entities, who are seated as on a machine made of the material energy. Yes, so everybody is sitting on the machine, and the three modes are working, and the Lord is overseeing the whole, the whole show, and he's giving us what we deserve. 
so this thinking of um, I have to endeavor to make myself happy or to support myself, it's actually enacted through the what was the the name? Uh, what was the words? A false display, uh, a false ego, or a useless display of false ego, right? Okay, let's go back to those Bhagavatam verse from the 11th canto that we were going through. I think we had reached uh, 11, 10, 19. Now the Bhagavatam verse. You go to uh, 11, 10, 19. That's where we were just now. Yeah. So, okay, even, even if they can achieve happiness and avoid unhappiness, let's say, they still do not know the process by which death would not be able to exert its power over them. And that's it. Ultimately, it's game over. You have some uh, big, big people talking in the past, giving big speeches, you know, in front of crowds. This is the way we have to do. We have to live our life like this. We have to do that. We have to do this. And then you can play their clip and then put the picture of their tomb right next to the clip. How does it look like? Foolish, isn't it? Yeah. You can do that now with computers, right? You, you let them, you replay their clip, let's say from the 1940s, and then you take a picture of their tomb and we have to do this but I don't do that and you put the tomb right next to them you know what is the use of all your talking now your your body is inside that that hole there so this is this is what is covering all of us we're forgetting this is coming we all think that it's not going to happen to us <laughs> just see how Maya is good huh? we don't think about it no 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 I'm, I'm comfortably situated I've got my apartment now I got my wife my son you know we're together in this Got my family, you know, we're together in this. You're soldiers. Uh, they cannot save you at the time of death. Nobody can save you. So that's what we forget. And that's the most amazing thing Maharaj Yudhishthira says. Okay, next verse. Yeah, so we're all lining up. It's a fact that we're all lining up because like every two seconds, it says a man dies, right? Next two seconds, one, two, one, two, like this. Of course, this is the our little planet Earth that they know of, according to them, every two seconds, someone dies. Actually, <laughs> the universe is huge. There's so many living entities. But, okay, let's say on our little planet Earth that we've discovered so far, they say every two seconds someone dies. So that means we're lining up. And then doom, one day that two seconds will be on our head. So we're all lining up going towards death. So what is all the meaning of having this nice house, nice girlfriend, nice clothes? It's uh, actually, it's a bewildering factor. The one who is suffering... And has got knowledge, he, he is actually fortunate. 
because he's brought to a point where he's going to understand these things better. But when we are too much comfortable in our nice, cozy house, our nice job, you know, a nice earning, I can buy whatever I want and this, it's very hard to get out of it. That's why I was saying why I became full-time is not due to my own endeavor because the position I had was the best material position of my life. I used to be the garden we had, we were living on the 29th floor. I had a nice view of the mountain with an artificial lake. Uh, uh, there was nice breeze blowing every evening. I had our home who had like a rooftop and uh, I, I used to work only three hours a day and my work was five minutes away by scooter. So I would go in the morning, I work a little bit, three hours and back and that was it whole day you know and then i could i could read more proper books i could worship the deity so even though i was i had my D, our dts we were worshiping them every day you know all of this was there and actually it was one of the best um if you can say arrangement for a working grihasta uh, we would come to the temple at least once a month like that and even that actually i was not feeling fully satisfied because I was not preaching. I, you know, I was thinking these three hours a day that I'm, I'm using working, what if I could use these three hours to try to preach? How much more could be done? You know, and how much more I would feel, um, uh, I mean, to say, spiritually advancing. So I was praying, you know, that my Lord, if you want me to, to surrender more, then you have, you have to push me because me on my own, I cannot get out of this situation. It's just too comfortable. I, I liked it. You know, I like that place and I like the everything. So I was thinking, well, I cannot get out of it. But if you want me, my Lord, to become full-time again and preach, then please force me to do so. And he forced me. It, it did happen. So, of course, when you pray like that, you have to be ready for a slap, you know. Slap is going to come, but it's a good slap because it's going to push you in the right direction. So all of you are young men. You're at a verge where your family is trying to push you in the abyss, trying to push you that, no, go to the university, you know, get your degree, get your college, and then you'll be able to find a nice job and a nice girl and this and that, and then it doesn't end. So... That'll be it, you know. That'll be you won't be able to get up. Not possible. I can tell you that. Unless you pray like I did, that my Lord forced me to get up. If you're waiting to be ready, no way. You won't be ready. Because how to how to uh, yes, go and get married. Your say, yeah. But if you get married without having experiencing full full time life in the temple, whew, you're in for a ride because you won't be ready to deal with women. <laughs> Forget it. Do you have any idea what a woman mind is like? You cannot figure it out. It, it has no head or tail. They run on emotions, you know, you know, us men, we have got some, we can try to analyze things through intelligence. You know, we try, we're more, uh, um, down to earth, you know, we try to see, okay, well, how is this? But women, they run on emotions. How they feel, that is right. That's all. So already it's hard to deal with our one mind. 
Now you're going to have to be dealing with two minds. And one of those minds is going to be very passionate, very frivolous, going left and right. If you're not strong spiritually, you won't be able to, drag, to pull her up to the mode of goodness. She will pull you down to the mode of passion. And a wife has demands. And because you're taking charge, you must. You must care for those demands. You cannot just say, no, I'll get married, but my wife will be a brahmachari in the temple like me. Or, you know, she won't have any comfort. No, that's not possible. You know? And to me, the only way to be happy in, in Grihastha Ashram, my understanding is that you preach. Or at least, you know, you, you, you be some sort of full-time life. That's the way that I, I feel happy, you know, with my wife and children. But that doesn't mean that... Um, that the inebriities of marriage life completely disappear. No, they don't. They're still there. They minimize, but they're still there. Taking care of the children, children crying, children being sick, you know, the wife lamenting because you cannot arrange everything perfectly. It's still going to be there. But a brahmachari, wow. <laughs> He's got it. He's free from all this. Tadbavit Prabhu Kijai. He's liberated already, you know, from all this. 75% liberated, Prabhupada says. 75% freed from material entanglement if you remain in Brahmachari. Can you imagine? This is so strong, Brahmacharya. If you can remain your whole life Brahmachari, that's the best. But you have to be preaching. If you just want to sleep and eat and remain Brahmachari, you won't make it. You have to be sincerely trying to push the movement, you know, like Tadavit Prabhu. He he can make it because he's engaged fully in trying to preach. Those so-called brahmachari who just sleep and eat, their senses are always disturbed. And most of them waste their semen. They're not capable of controlling their senses. Because unless you preach, you cannot control your senses. It's not possible. So... Yeah, you know, this is, this is the way of, of uh, material life make us think that we must hurt, you know, Maya is making us work so hard, thinking that we're the doer, that if we stop it, we won't have our bread. Well, Krishna cannot arrange for three meals a day for you. Uh, he, he's manifesting millions of planets, but you have to work for your maintenance. It doesn't make sense. Of course, it took time for me to realize that. I was also, it's not that straight away, I, I believed in this, you know, I had my, all my excuses were there. And those excuses are there because you're addicted to your comfort, to being separated. Because you've got your own house, your own apartment, or your own place, and you're thinking, here I can control things. You know, when I want to sleep, I can't sleep. When I, uh, but if I go to the temple full time, I'll be under someone else. You know, an authority will be there, will be telling me things sometimes. So we think materially, you know. We always consider how my senses can be comfortable. That's the mistake. As the whole the whole mistake is there, thinking that we are independent from Krishna, that we can have our own plan. That doesn't work. You know? We've been trying for billions of lifetimes and never worked. Why would it work now? So better surrender. Because happiness and distress will be there, whether you work for your own senses or whether you try to work for Krishna. There will be challenges. But at least those challenges are worthwhile. Because you advance spiritually and you get pleasure from doing that, from serving the Lord. And you don't waste time like working like an ass, serving a bus. 
Okay, why I was starting to read all these uh, verses, because just now Prabhupada in the class, he was speaking about the material heaven. So let's go see the next verse now. You can go to the next one. Yes. Hmm. Uh, well, sorry. You're reading. Are you reading ten, uh, eleven, ten, twenty-one? Eleven, ten, twenty-one. Yeah. Yeah. So we're looking, we're trying to get unlimited happiness. We're trying to get an happiness that is not go going to be obstructed by any inebrieties. This is the only thing that's going to be satisfying us. And that can only be attained in, in spiritual life, in the spiritual world. Because material is always tinged with these inebrieties. Here it is said, jealousy, envy, decay, and death. So the more the intensified sense enjoyment is there, these things uh, like jealousy and envy will increase also. In other words, the envy that you know demigods feel is stronger than the envy that we feel. We feel very much envious, but you know, a demi just like Lord Indra, how much envious was he of like Maharaj Pritu? Uh, or, um, you know, many times there are stories of Lord Indra becoming envious of some sages and so on. So, uh, as your sense gratification increases, your envy for other living entities will increase. That is that. So, even though we're thinking, oh, you know, maybe heaven is a nice place and so on. No, it's going to be the same thing that we're already experiencing here. There'll be so many inebrieties, you know, and fear of death that we'll be losing it on all, you know, one day I'm going to lose everything. Okay, let's go back to that class, Shapropa. And the Gyanis.
so you see, so then Prabhupada here is, is, is coming to the Gyanis. So Gyanis is also hankering. So why is a devotee not hankering then? Because this is actually the proper constitutional position of the living entity. Hankering means what? Hankering means going against Krishna's desire. That is the meaning of hankering. To want something that is against Krishna's desire. But if you're situated properly as the eternal servant of the Lord, and Krishna wants something, and you do it, that is not hankering. That is just who you are. That is normal. So therefore, a devotee's activities are not called hankering. Even though sometimes they pray, you know, my dear Lord, I wish that I'd be engaged in your service. My dear Lord, please engage me in your service. So you can say that this is hankering, but it's not. It's simply how things are supposed to be because there is an eternal reality. There is, real, there is a real existence. Now we're situated in a wrong existence. We're, we're in this material world. We've been placed here because we went against the, the flow of eternal, eternal life which is that we're always supposed to serve Krishna. So we make this big blunder to come here. Now we're trapped, you know, in this material world. So hopefully now it's one in our, of our li last lifetime in the material world. But um, so we should understand that, that this hankering, we have to give up that mentality. And it's not that there is karmis, gyanis, yogis, devotees. It's not as simple as that. It's not all black and white, you know. Even though one is a devotee, he might still be quoted with karmic tendencies, with jnani tendencies, with yogi tendencies. So therefore, we have to come to pure devotional service. Anya bilasita sunyam, jnana karma anavritam. So that has to be completely gone. So this mentality of wanting to work is a karmi mentality. Actually, a brahmana does not work. A brahmana is supported by Krishna. You know, he he begs and he gets a little bit of, of his income by begging and he's satisfied with that. Of course, the Vedic system is not no longer there. Vanashtam system is no longer there. So you cannot just go out and start begging to anyone. They won't understand what it means. But Krishna is still there. So ultimately, Krishna is maintaining the Brahmanas. Go Brahmana Deva Yagu Brahmana Hitacha. So um, he is very dear. When a Brahmana takes the profession of a Brahmana, Krishna is very much happy. What are the six professions of a Brahmana? Study Vedic literature, teach Vedic literature. Study deity worship, teach others how to worship the deity. Accept donation and give donations. Either, these are the six activities of a Brahman. So if Krishna still exists, and he's, if he's still uh, uh, Bhakta Vatsalya or Brahmana Vatsalya, then why would he not arrange for the support of his devotee who surrenders and takes this, this path? So if we become full-time, we'll get whatever we need. It's a fact. Now I'm convinced of it because I've experienced it. You know, when I, I told you that I prayed like that, that my Lord, please force me to surrender. And it so happened. And one of the mental speculation that I had was, how can I come near the Mataji's here? Because here is Guangzhou city, you know, the rent here is very expensive. Before my rent used to be about 2,000 yuan a month. That's 20,000 Indian rupees. 
Uh, now the rent I'm paying here is 55,000 yuan, 55,000 Indian rupees. How come is it that I'm paying more than twice the rent? And plus, if you add all the, the things together here, it's much more expensive. It goes to six, 7,000 yuan. You know? <clears throat> Without working, I'm paying three times the rent that I used to pay back then. How is that possible? So the Lord is in the heart of everyone. He can bring money through any means that he wants, you know. Uh, when we came, I was thinking, how am I going to be paying the rent? You know, how are we going to do? And this devotee from America, he called me and he said, hey, I look at your vlogs. Uh, I think you're doing some great work. So I'd like to support. So I said, OK. Um, I said, now I'm going to go. I'm, I'm trying to become full time again. So we have this rent that we need to pay. So he said, how much is the rent? I said, well, it's uh, almost, you know, $1,000 a month. He said, okay, I'll give you $1,000 a month for a year. How did that happen? Are you telling me this is not Krishna? Hmm? So if we're devotees, we must believe in that. We must have faith that Krishna is going to be there for me. He's going to send the right people at the right time. But devotee doesn't mean I sit down on my back and scratch my, my skull, you know. Devotee means he's always endeavoring to the best of his ability. You know, try your best and Krishna will arrange. That's a famous saying that Prabhupada was saying. Sometimes devotee, they would come to Prabhupada, you know, with complicated uh, so-called uh, uh, dilemma. Prabhupada, we have this problem, this, that, that. Uh, what to do? And Prabhupada would say, try your best and Krishna will arrange. <laughs> Very simple. That's to smash our karmic mentality. And oh, Prabhupada, we have a problem now. You know, how can I solve this problem? Tell me. No, you're not going to solve anything. Krishna is going to solve the problem for you. You just please him and he'll make the arrangement. What do we know? Do you know what's going to happen to you tomorrow? Do you know who you're going to meet? Uh, I mean, our foretelling power of events is like, that this. nothing we know actually. But Krishna knows what's going to happen to us in a hundred years and next life and this, you know. Prabhupada said sometimes Krishna makes an arrangement that's going to take place one kalpa later. One kalpa means in the next day of Brahma. So he's arranging something now and the result's going to take in the next day of Brahma. So that kind of intelligence he has. So why not just let him arrange, you know. <laughs> if you've got someone who's that smart who can help you, then you let that smart person help, is it not? Like if you're making investment, let's say in, in some, you know, now they all do these things, right? These uh, Bitcoin and all this uh, cryptocurrency, whatever. If you see a man that every time he invests, he gets a hundred, you know, a thousand percent uh, result back, you know, 10 times the amount of money he invests. And he's like never failing. And he's been doing this for 10 years. Then you give your money to him and you tell him, please, you know, arrange my money. Uh, uh, Manishu Prabhu is asking Prabhu what is taking service from Krishna how can we refrain from that and always serve him rather than taking his service taking his service yeah so God helps those who help themselves that is in the purport Nimitri Prabhu is saying so taking service for, from Krishna means asking Krishna to satisfy your own senses. That is taking service from him. But if 
if you endeavor to please his senses and you ask him, please help me serve you, that is not taking service from the Lord. Because taking service from the Lord, actually, you cannot avoid. You're breathing now. You're breathing air. Who created that air? Krishna. He served you, is it not? Just like a father serves the child that hears something for you. So he's maintaining us. This maintenance is a service. You know, we cannot avoid actually taking service from Krishna in this sense. Because you cannot exist without him. You cannot have food, water. You cannot have the sun. You cannot have anything. Even intelligence, he says, that he's the one who's giving. So how can we stop taking? So, you know, we have to take as less as possible. We should not disturb him for none, no reason, you know. But to pray to him that, my Lord, please give me intelligence on how to serve you. That is not taking service from him. That is, that is a reciprocation of love. So the real meaning of taking service means, my dear Lord, you know, I'm going to go past this test now. Can you please, you know, uh, have me have a good result? That is taking service from Krishna. Who is telling you that Krishna wants you to pass the test? Maybe he doesn't. So you should say, my dear Lord, I, I'm forced now uh, that I have to go take this test. My family is forcing me. You give me the result you want, my Lord. I will accept. It doesn't matter. That is surrender. That whatever you decide, I, I will accept. Not that I have my plan separated from you. Because we don't know. Sometimes we might think, oh, Krishna wants this. How can you make sure? If you're not properly reading Prabhupada books and if you're not taking guidance from senior devotee, how can you be sure that Krishna wants this? Hmm? That is making Krishna our servant. Oh, now I have a new job in America. I know, my Lord, please allow me to, to get that job. Then I'll serve you. That is still taking service. Because who's telling you that Krishna wants you to serve him like that? Maybe he has other plans for you and you're walking against it. So, okay. Now I would like you to... Um, uh, Multi-planet, higher standard, you must be fit to go there. Okay, scroll down from that class. Continue scrolling down. Okay, wait. Just for... Okay, so scroll down again. Okay, wait a, wait a second. Okay, yeah. Okay, do uh, from bhakti. Bhakti means a relationship with God. Can start reading from there. Yes. That is that is the platform of servitude. You know, our love for Krishna starts from the servitude platform. Before that, just saying God is great, that's not enough. That is Shanta. I mean to say, um, uh, what is that? Uh, those who are Shanta Bhakti, I mean, uh, under servitude, you know. Those who are neutral, neutral, yeah. So God is great, that's all. But you're not rendering service. That's not enough. Devotees start from the platform of 
servitude. So let me give some service. So we all start from there because we're not accustomed to higher uh, means of devotional service. So our sadhana bhakti starts from there, from a servitude platform. And then it, it increases from there. Okay, continue reading. Otherwise... Yes, that's it. Krishna is assuring to those who are constantly engaged in my service, I take care how to supply the necessities of life. Just see how, how Prabhupada has translated it. Actually, in the Bhagavad Gita, it is said, I carry what they lack and I preserve what they have. That's the translation that we read normally. But here Prabhupada is translating, I take care how to supply their necessities of life. So whatever you need for the maintenance of the body, he will give. So why should I work? So this, this um, understanding comes only if one is very uh, fortunate. Otherwise, even though we are devotees and uh, we might be working and so on, but if we don't come to that point of understanding that if just surrender, Krishna will take care of me, then what is the use of reading so much and quoting so many verses and this and that? Ultimately, it's, it's more or less of a show, you know? So that's why it's dangerous to work. Work is very dangerous. I experienced it myself. Because when you get money, what is the next thing you start to do? Anybody tell me? When you get money, what do you do then? You start to think about what to buy with that money. Is it not? <laughs> yes, making plans how to spend it. Exactly. That's what comes. You know, I know also. I know, you know, I've been working too. I know what it is to work and, and to earn and to spend. You know, your salary is coming, right? Oh, wow, I'm going to get that. Okay, then you go maybe on whatever uh, platform you use in your country to buy goods online. And then you start to scroll, right? You look, oh, this is nice. Oh, you think maybe I need that, maybe I need this, maybe I need that. You know, there was a time about maybe two years ago, I used to look at clothes, you know. I was thinking, oh, you know, now I'm, I'm a teacher, I need some nice clothes. You know, it's a fact. I mean, as a teacher, I should not dress niggardly. But it's contaminating, you know. Then you start to scroll, oh, that shirt is nice, this is nice, this is a nice pants, I'll, I'll look good in this and that and that. And that. Oh, I need, I need, you know, I need a bag, right? I need a nice bag to go to work. And oh, then you start to look at all kinds of bags and what is the best brand and, you know, how. But you waste so much time in just trying to uh, make the body comfortable or nicely looking. Why? Because you got money. You got that money and you know that, oh, no, it's my money. You know, you got that, that misunderstanding that it's your money. So you can spend it in the past. Nobody's looking, right? Not yet. I'm going to send it for my certification. So it's dangerous. That's why to liberate yourself from that. Give it up. Get 
I don't want to go to Prop. I know how to make this. Prop didn't go his way. He said, unless you give 50% to Krishna, your business won't be a success. <laughs> Finished. The devotee was thinking, you know, how to make money, right? I then it's successful. Why? Because that's going to help you to stop working at one day. <laughs> the whole point is to one day that we stop and we become full-time and join the temple, you know, join the mission. The mission. Because the desire is one. What this Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita at the end, those who preach this message to my devotees are most dear to me. Uh, no one will ever be more dear to me than he. He's saying that. And then as Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he came again and he said, you know, you preach. You preach this Krishna consciousness. You deliver all those in your desh, desha, your, uh, uh, your place. Mm. And then Prabhupada is telling us, preach. So desire is one. If we link ourselves with this desire, then we are Krishna Bhaktas. As long as we have a little bit of independence left, let me let me keep that side for me and this side for Krishna. Okay, Krishna will not force, you know. But are we going back in this life? That is highly doubtful. So this Sarva Dharman Parityaja Mahamekam Sharanam Raja, what does it mean? That means preach. That's what translated, that means this. You preach, that's all. So of course, to be a preacher, you, you require training. It's not that immediately I, I start to preach. So therefore, first, there's a surrendering process that let me live in the association of the preachers. That is first step. That's why going full-time in the temple, living there, seeing how the preachers, the experienced devotees live, how they, you know, then you get trained up and then you become an experienced preacher and then you become happy. The devotees that I see that are the most happy are His Grace Tavavit Prabhu, uh, I mean to say, His Grace Nagopa Prabhu and Tabavit Prabhu. They are the most happy because they're always engaged in preaching. They have no uh, material obligations, you know. So they are Nasochetino Kanchati. I don't see them anchor for anything or desire to lose all this stuff, you know, this is past already. Uh, because they, they, they've, they've boiled down all this material attachment to practically kneel. Okay. Start reading again that translation and go, go on. Those who are constantly engaged. Even, even my livelihood. You see that? Even my livelihood. Livelihood means what? It means my bread earning business. So 
you don't have to work if you surrender to Krishna. There's no need to have a, the job, you know, and and work like a karmi or. So you can give it up if you have this faith. You need to have that faith, though. If you artificially do it and and uh, your your aim is not to preach, your aim is just to not work. Uh, that is, then you're cheating yourself. That is not correct. Your aim should be that with full faith, let me take part into this full-time life and Krishna will provide whatever I need. Okay, continue. Hmm. You, see that? you see how Prabhupada is speaking about the neophyte, yeah. So the neophyte devotee is thinking, yeah, I'm worshipping the deity nicely, oh Krishna, yes, I'm your servant. But, you know, I still need to earn. I need to save. I need to increase the, the number in the bank account. Why? Well, because we all know that Krishna doesn't always protect his devotees, right? We all know that. So if Krishna fails one day, then I will have my money. This is the implication. This is what it means to increase the bank balance. Is it not? Well, you know, Krishna, we see so many devotees, they're having problems, they're having this. Uh, so that means what Krishna is not uh, there for them. No, they're not there for Krishna. If they were there for Krishna, Krishna would be taking care of them. But because they are holding back, then Krishna is holding back. As they surrender unto me, I reward them accordingly. If you fully surrender your life for Krishna, Krishna will fully take care of you. If you just take to deity worship and you make the bank balance swell, why would Krishna? Okay, you take care of yourself. You think you can protect yourself? That's fine. So therefore, this bank balance swelling mentality is demonic. In the Bhagavad Gita, it is said, uh, I will gain so much more according to my schemes. Right, I have that much now, and it will increase in the future more and more. So this greed for increasing money is a demonic mentality. It's dangerous, and that's why it's so much. Uh, uh, it causes so many problems to have money, you know, because it's it's um, it's it's based on atheism, basically. Uh, that's why the Brahmana is poor on purpose. Voluntarily, he accepts a poor life that I, I don't have any possessions or very little possessions. And this way, you, you, you start to understand what it means to depend on Krishna and you start to see his arrangement, how he would bring money and this and that. 
you know, now everything, the, the world goes round with money. So yeah, money will come. It's not that money won't come, it will come. But how will it come? That will be by Krishna's arrangement. Just like recently, my wife and I and our children, we went for a preaching trip, we went to another province. That's why I could not give any class. And um, and over there, yeah, we had, we had some nice preaching activity and it turned out fruitful. We got one devotee out of that, you know, and her, with her two children, one Mataji and the two children. And she came to our temple. She left only two days ago. She stayed with us 10 days. So we made a devotee, you know, by this endeavor. And while I was there, um, at one point, there was the rent that I had to pay for, for this apartment here. And I was thinking, okay, well, now another 5500 to pay, you know, so expensive. And I had no money. I had no money in the bank or anything. I had very little, at least, not even half of what I needed, you know, and the rent was coming up. So I was thinking, okay, um, yes, yeah, I can speak a bit of the preaching trip after. So I was thinking, okay, well, now I don't have money and the rent is coming and I'm here trying my best, you know, to preach. It was really intense there. You know, I've got, <laughs> maybe I can show you this to show you how much uh, I had no time. Actually, you cannot see it fully here, but you see Krishna inspiration. I have more than a thousand message. I have to catch up. Actually, it's more like a thousand five hundred. So, so, so busy that I could not even look at my phone hardly. You know, I had to give up following the Krishna Inspiration Group. So, um, so I was thinking, okay, I'm enduring my best and I don't have money now. And Krishna has brought money some way or another, always. So I was thinking, okay, Krishna will bring money. I don't need to be anxious for that. I was thinking like that. So I had faith because now I, I, he's proven to me so many times that he's there. And he's bringing money somehow or other every time we need it, you know. So... I was not anxious. Shanti. I had a peace of mind. Who can be peaceful when he's got no money in the bank and he's got a rent to come to pay? You show me one karmi who can be peaceful. Go ahead. You name it. It's not possible. So how come I was chanting my round and I was thinking, no, Krishna will bring money. And like one or two hours later, my father calls me and, he, and he's talking and he says, oh, you know, I... I've got some money now. I know that you have your car you need to pay. So how much you have left that you need to pay on the car? So he transferred 5,000 Canadian dollars, you know, that's 25,000 yuan. That's 250,000 rupees. Boom, he transferred that much. <laughs> so you tell me this is not the Lord. You tell me Krishna doesn't exist. Huh? You tell me that he was not there hearing my, my, my mood, feeling my mood that I, I was confident he would help. And he reciprocated so fast, so much even. I was expecting just to have enough for my rent. And he sent me like five times the rent that I need. But unless we surrender these things, we won't experience. Because as they surrender unto me, I reciprocate accordingly. So unless we make the first step, he's not going to be reciprocating that much, you know. So yes, so that's it. So this working mentality is not necessary, actually. It's an anartha. 
uh, and it has to it has to be purified. And now all of you are on the verge of starting maybe work life, and because you got, all got pressure from your parents, you know. But you're all men. This is so. Uh, this is so. Uh, I mean to say. You're all men. You're very fortunate because if you were in female bodies, then the game is different. You know, you have to be dependent. You have to wait for a husband. That's why being born as a woman is, well, is something I really don't want, you know, because you can see how much they're all dependent on their husband. Some of them have husbands that are not so serious. Some of them have no husband and they struggle. <clears throat> but you're very fortunate. You all have male bodies. So you can be independent. You know, us in the West, I mean, we're pretty much independent, much more than, than Indians are, you know. Like Sami Prabhu knows, right? He left very early. I left when I was 18 years old. I came to China when I was 18, you know. And uh, so in our so-called culture, at least there's this good point that if one wants to take the spiritual life, it's kind of easy to leave behind you know, the family. Uh, Indian culture is very much traditional still. And, uh, you know, marriage, children, house, all of this is like in the mind of the parents always. Um, so, but I'm telling you, if you make the choice now to leave and to just surrender, you won't regret it. You'll be happy. And, and the fight that you'll get with your parents, that will suit out in the future. Uh, as, as you advance spiritually and as you become more fixed up and so on, that will suit out. It might suit out in the way that you'll just be so spiritually advanced that you won't care anymore. It won't affect you because you know it's temporary. My parents' relationship is just this life. You know, I've been here for billions of lifetimes. So I'll just don't need to tolerate one life. And it's for the benefit because if you make it, then they make it. They'll be liberated also. Like Talavit Prabhu, he's tolerating. He's not, he hasn't seen his parents in what, 18 years? Yeah, he's tolerating, but he's happy and he knows that yes, he's gonna bring them back to Godhead. You know? So let them, let them, let them uh, curse him <laughs> for this one life. But at the end, when they'll meet death, wow, then they'll thank their son for everything he's done. Or it might be that you become Grihasta and then you come in touch again with your your parents afterwards and they see you have beautiful krishna conscious children and they see that boy well, after all it's not it's not such a bad thing this this movement you know our, our grandchildren are all, all nice our uh, daughter-in-law is so well behaved and so on so either way your parents will be benefited if you surrender but it requires some guts you know you have to do it nobody else is going to do it for you so that's why we have to keep hearing. So I hope you haven't liked the class. Is this class recorded? That's good. You know, young devotees especially need to hear this. Because if you miss this opportunity and you go down the road of uh, working and then you might become entangled and then you become 40 years old, you won't be able to surrender fully at 40 years old. I can tell you that. Even though 40 is relatively young, right? It's not old. Uh, 
But the more you are stuck into that working game, the harder it is. So better do it now. Not that, oh, when I'm, I'll be Vanaprasta age, then, you know, I'll retire. And how do you know? How do you know you live that long, first of all? And how do you know you have the determination to do it? What if you get a very beautiful and chaste wife, right? <laughs> you think you're going to want to leave her? Uh, it's not that easy, you know. It's not like now we might think, oh, yeah, maybe one day I can renounce. Because you're, you're not in touch with the wife and you haven't seen your children yet. Your children are not born yet. Now you're all free like birds, actually. Because you have no, you know, attachment to our parents is not very strong, us men, isn't it? We're not that much attached to our parents. Women, they're very much attached to their parents normally. Men are more independent. So you, you have very little attachment there to your parents. You have no wives. You have no children. I mean, you're free like birds. You should, you, should, uh, you should experience what it is to live in a temple as a brahmachari. Really, there's nothing more blissful than that. If you miss this opportunity, it's a great blunder on your part. You know, At least one year. At least one year you should tell yourself, I'm going to go there, live one year as a brahmachari, and then I'll see. And after that, at least this one-year training is going to make you strong, you know, stronger, definitely. And uh, then if you want to enter Griyasta Ashram, you want to put your foot in the fire, then okay, you, you do it. If you cannot tolerate the urge, you know. But otherwise, uh, remaining Brahmachari is definitely a big saving. Even my wife, she understands. My wife, she, she prays, she says, you know, Talbot Prabhu is happy. She, she sees it. He's the most happy, she says. <laughs> and she hopes that our son will remain Brahmachari too. So even women, when they become more spiritually advanced, they understand how, how this Grihastha Ashram is a mess, you know, suffering. Okay. Um, okay, I see some... Uh, okay. Um, Aditya Prabhu left some time ago. Dimitri Prabhu making plans how to spend them, yeah, money. Dimitri Prabhu, could you please share a bit of your experience, maybe in your realizations from your preaching trip? Yes. Uh, okay, Himanshu Prabhu, this is true. I never see Prabhu hankering. Same with Prabhu, Talbot Prabhu, yeah. When you become a full-time devotee, you won't have this hankering. It's gone because you're, you're simply doing what Prabhupada wants you to do. So there's no more like, oh, I want this or I don't want that. You know, you feel very peaceful. You can tolerate uh, a lot more. Uh, then you're saying, I'm just waiting to become a major so that they can't do anything legally against temple. Yes, that's good. The, the day of your birthday, <laughs> happy birthday to me. I'm leaving. Bye-bye. You, you should do it, you know. And, and as I say, their anger towards you will diminish with time. Dimitri Prabhu, what if parents are attached to us? They don't want us to leave them. Parents are always attached to children. There's no parents that are not attached to children. And there's no, I mean, this is how Maya, she keeps us, you know. Maya, she keeps us entangled through those sentiments of our parents, our wife, our children. Are you thinking that taking sannyas happens only when the wife is not attached to the husband? No, every woman is attached to their husband. 
you know, we have got a great responsibility on our shoulders. As men, devotees, we know what is what. So we have to act accordingly, not um, being under the control of petty sentiments. Of course, it's hard, you know. It's not that we are self-realized, no. That's why Krishna is saying, you know, <laughs> what did Krishna start his teaching with? Uh, right? Never was there a time where they did not exist, you or me. Then what did he say? He said, you know, as you grow in this body, you know, you pass through different bodies and you take another body. So he's telling you you're eternal. But then he knows that not just because of two verses, we're going to be self-realized. So what is the next verse? Therefore, the next verse he's saying is, huh? So why is saying that? Because although he says 212, we are eternal. Hare Krishna, Pankaj, Shlochan Prabhu, Dandavat Pranam, O Prabhupada. Sorry I missed your call. I saw you. You called me today or yesterday, you know. So thank you for joining this session. So, yes. So Krishna is saying two verses about you're not the body, you're the spirit soul. He's saying 2.12, 2.13. So why is he changing topic at 2.14? Because he knows that we are not self-realized soul. He knows that although I'm telling you now, you're not this body, Arjuna. You know, you're not, you're, you see, your body has changed so much, your spirit soul and this and that. He knows that we will not be self-realized by simply hearing these two instructions. Therefore, he's saying, all right, you're still in the body concept, tolerate. There's no other option. So leaving our parents to become brahmachari in the temple is definitely hard. It's not that the parents will all agree, right? No, no, you go, you be brahmachari. No, they'll be angry. They'll be sad. You know, family members will oppose us. So we're not self-realized souls. So what to do? Tolerate. That's it. You tolerate. There is no other way. You cannot avoid that. The mind is going to, you know, how can you leave your parents? How can you do that? Maya is going to be there whispering in your ear, you know. How? You're not a good son. Right? No. Krishna says, Sarva Dharman Parityaja. This is a dharma. To be a good son, to take care of the parents is a dharma. According to Varanashram Dharma. It's one of the one of the many regulative religious principles, you know. But Krishna says, if you surrender to me, even that dharma you can give up. So not that you surrender and uh, you, you go eat and sleep. That is not surrender. You surrender and you preach. Just like Srimantad Bhavidda's Brahmachari. He surrendered. Now it's been, you know, 18 years. He, his father is angry at him. His father practically renounced him as a son. Same thing for Rajakishwar Prabhu. They're brothers, right? They both did the same thing. So the parents both lost both sons. Or did they? No, they did not lose. They got two sons. It's the first time in their material existence that they have two sons. Before that, it was only urine. Uh, because a son who only cares for material happiness of the parents is urine. He's helping them going down to hell. But a son who surrenders his life to Krishna, he's a real putra. Because he's going to be delivering his, his parents. Just now we have a Prabhu who just joined Pankat Prabhu. He's joining us, you know, he's joining ISKM. He's a brahmachari. 
So do you think his parents were all all happy jumping in the air when he he joined the temple? I can bet you that they, there was not. They were not, you know. So he was Brahmachari in New Delhi. Now he's, you know, joining us. So, but he made the choice. He made the choice. Now he's, you know, he's wearing the beautiful saffron cloth. So this is something that all of you should be thinking very seriously. You're all young, you know, you're all in your early 20s. So now is the time to live full time in the temple. Even though parents are there, even though so many things, these things will be rectified in due course of time. Don't worry about that. Krishna will take care of your parents, you know. It's not that they, they cannot live without you. Far from the eyes, far from the heart. Once you start to become, just like my parents are there, I'm not even brahmachari. <laughs> and I'm separated from them for so many years now. I mean, I've been, last time I was in Canada was 2014. I haven't seen them for eight years plus. Well, my mother came once or twice, but... My family, you know, my sisters are there, my they're my nephews. I have like two, I have three nephews, one grandnephew now. I have uh, one niece. My sister was so much attached to me. I mean, my whole family is there. And the reason why I'm not going back is because I don't have money to go back for sense gratification. I'm full time now. Whatever money I have, I have to use in the service. So unless I go back to Canada to, to start the center, I won't be going back. So if Krishna doesn't want me to start the center in Canada, I'll never see my family again. My father is getting old. He's like 70, 70 years old, I think. He's alone. He's got no one. I'm, I'm his only son. My other children, I mean, my mother's other children are with another man, you know. So my father, how will I take care of him? Right? I, this is sometimes in my mind too. So I, I, I asked him, why don't you come to China? You know, but he's never traveled his whole life. You think he's going to travel at 70, change his whole thing. And he's too, he's too much, uh, and grow, I mean, attached to his position. He's a devotee too. You know, my father is a devotee. He's chanting Hare Krishna 16 rounds and all reading. So, so hopefully he has this understanding at least. It's not that he's angry at me. He understands what I'm doing. I'm trying to preach in a, a difficult country. So he knows that, okay, you know, maybe my son will probably not be there to take care of me at the end. So, but at least he's, he's doing what is right. So I'm fortunate that I have a father like this. My mother, she also, you know, half, half devotee. She was, she was devotee before, you know, 20 years in his con. Um, so she wants, she really wants me to go back. She always tells me, ah, come back, you know, here also you can preach here too and this. So it's not that I, I want or I don't want to go back. I don't have a desire to go back, but I don't have a position to go back to. I can go back if the Lord makes arrangement for me to open a center there. But just to pay uh, like three airplane tickets to bring my family there and, and go see my family members, no. I'm not going to do that. You know, Waste of time. So attachment is always there. Everybody will be attached to you somehow or other. Maya is controlling us with this attachment, you know. So the parents, of course, they want us to, to get married. Why? It's based on sense gratification because they want to be enjoying the little children, right? They want to have uh, the relationship with the grandchildren. So that is was, that's what they want. They want us to, to get married and then get many nice children and they want us to be happy in, in a big family. It's the same thing we've done you know, in billions of lifetimes. So we tolerate only this one lifetime. And we give the best 
result to our parents. You know, that's going to be eternally benefiting to them. You know, if we make it, they make it. And if and it's not just this life. If let's say we don't make it in this life and we make it in next life, even then they will go back. Because Prabhupada in the purport, you know, where Paralama Maharaj speaks of 21 generations, uh, I mean, Lord Nishimadev speaks of 21 generations, Prabhupada clearly says in the purport that it also applies to generations of our past lives. So that means even those parents that we forgot about, you know, or then grandparents that we for, they are going to be liberated because of our present life now. So let's say we don't make it now and you go in your next life and you make it in the next life or another life later, then your current parents now are going also to go back to Krishna. Isn't that the best, the best gift? So it's not easy. And therefore, as I started this class, I said why I came back to this full-time preaching life. It was not because of my own choice. I mean, I had the desire, but it's not that you can surrender. It doesn't depend on you. It's Krishna's mercy or Prabhupada's mercy. If, if you have the mercy of the Lord, then you can surrender. If you don't have it, you won't be able to surrender. We're not independent. Everything comes from his desire. So therefore, the prayer that we must do to get out of it is this. is my dear Lord, I'm not willing to surrender. Please force me. So again, yes, forcing means a slap, but it's a good slap. After that, we'll be happy. You know. So, okay, maybe I can talk a little bit about um, our preaching uh, experience and the request of Dimitri Prabhu. So we went 28 days uh, into another province, Fujian province. We drove 700 kilometers. I brought my family along. And I was really inspired by the Lord. You know, all of a sudden, at one point, I was sitting in my office here. And I was thinking, you know, how to push things here and, the Matajis here at the temple are getting old. You know, there's a, there's a, so much that you can do. They cannot really follow up everything. And then they have some bad habits, you know, that, that I've tried to change. Now it's been one year that I've been full-time. August 2001, I mean, 2021 was uh, when I started again full-time life. So uh, it's been one year now. And I've been trying to help them. You know, some Anartas are there, like chanting, looking at the phone and... Uh, so many things. I don't want to be criticizing too much. You know, they're doing the best they can. So I was kind of becoming uh, uh, agitated that what can I do? How can I things move? You know, so I wanted some change. So I know that this Bhakta Mark, uh, our friend, he's there in this province. You know, he's got his business going on. So I was thinking, let me go there. Let me go see him and try to encourage him to surrender full time and come with us, you know. Or at least, not full-time, but at least maybe move his business here in Guangzhou so that it can be near us. So that was my mindset. And I thought, well, while I'm there also, we can try to meet other devotees in the city or other well-wishers and try to preach to them. Because I know he knows some people, you know. So that's it. So then I thought, okay, let me bring my family. It's going to be a nice change for my wife. You know, she's going to be... Uh, getting away from the situation here because sometimes she gets influenced by the Mataji here. Not that she develops bad habits, but she, she gets demotivated, you know. It's natural. You try to help someone and they don't change. Uh, so I, I just brought the whole family and it was a very good choice and definitely was Krishna's inspiration. Uh, we went there. 
then uh, I saw Bhakta Mark, you know, I started to try to preach to him. And as I said, in this class, he's very much addicted to Ugra Karma, <laughs> working very hard like an ass. He's got these four or five monitor screens, you know, and I saw how much he was. And, and I, I like him because he's humble. Um, he's humble in the sense that what I tell him, he listens. And he, he's like, yeah, okay. And he's, he's a logical person. But because of this attachment to money making, and plus he's 40, 40 year old, 40 plus, I know that he's not going to be able to change, you know. So I accept him as he is. This is an important thing when we preach. We need to know who are we preaching to, how much we can push, and when we should stop pushing. Because there are some devotees that you cannot push anymore, especially those who are older, you know. When you become older, you're like a a beaten horse, you know, or a war horse. You know, some horses back when they used to be war horses, there's only as much as a horse can, or I mean, in wars, a horse can see and go through. At one point, you cannot go into war anymore. You sin too much. So at this point, you just let the horse live peacefully, you know, eat grass. And so the same thing with the devotees. Sometimes they've seen too much, you know. Of course, back to Mark, that's not his, uh, he hasn't seen enough. That's his, his problem. <laughs> But the Matajis here, the three Matajis, they've seen a lot. I mean, they joined the movement some 30 years ago, 40 years ago. Uh, 30 years ago, mostly. So they've seen a lot. They've been through a lot, especially here in China. You, you, you know, they've seen temples being seized by the police. They've seen some undercover cops infiltrating the Sangha and uh, arresting devotees. <laughs> I mean, you name it. They've seen the breakage of uh, ISKCON splitting because, you know, the Ritvik system started to be known. Uh, some of their best friends left us even, starting to criticize, you know, His Grace Nagopal Prabhu. So they've been through a lot, and now they're getting old, and they're women, and they're not married. I mean, the Bhagamataji, she's divorced, you know, and the two others, they never got any men. So there's only as much as you can push them to do. So at one point, you just need to accept that this devotee is not going to be... Um, getting to higher standards anymore. So you just reciprocate with that devotee as a devotee, as a well-wisher. But you try to maybe keep distance sometimes when they do their bad habits, you know. You be with them when, when there's nice devotional activities going on. And when the bad habits creep in, then okay, you let them their free space what to do. You know, they want some free time, some separate time. So same things with Bhakta Mark, you know, I could see that when I was living with him. Uh, but he was, he was quite, uh, you know, he has this sincerity to want to help others, but he doesn't realize that he needs help. That is a main misconception of the Kanishtadikari, you know, the neophyte devotee is that he thinks now I have to help others because I'm getting all this knowledge. You know, let me help others. That's not bad, but the thing is that you still need help. You're not in a position where you can actually help others. And Madhyamadikari can make others devotees. Uh, the Kanishta cannot yet. So Kanishta means he should be engaged in deity worship and he should hear from more advanced devotees. Then his faith in Krishna consciousness will increase. You know? So, but I knew that Bhakta Mark, okay, he's 40 year old, he's got his whole business, you know. Uh, yeah, same happened with Udit, yeah, exactly. I told that actually to, to Udit, I told him. Um, Okay, Himanshu Prabhu just left and he, he posted this comment. Anyway, there's this the Prabhu called Udit. He's a young Bhakta from uh, Uda, Udanaman, the island, you know, in India. 
Udamanan. Anyway, I always confuse the M and N. The island and Anadanam. I think Anadaman. Anadaman Island. So he's from there. And uh, he opened this group, you know, ISKM, Anadaman, and he started to try to preach to all his friends. And he hit the wall, you know, because his friends were not as enthusiastic as he was. And now he kind of left all the groups, the ISKM groups. That's unfortunate. So a neophyte should not be uh, told to preach. Of course, you know, if he can distribute a book here and there, that's nice. That's good. That will encourage him. But he should do as much as he's capable within his limits because if you tell him yeah you go out and preach and do this then he will fall down because others will bring him down he won't be able to bring them up mm. so that's why we have to be careful so then i was there with back to mark and uh, the way that i try to encourage him is to give donations because he's making money he's got his business so i always call him when it's you know a festival or anything like would you like to give something and so that's good for him you know that helps him get purified so then after that, he told me that there was this Grihasta couple living nearby who had have a big house and uh, he might be moving with them. So this Grihasta couple is from Iskon. So as you know, we should not associate uh, too intimately with Iskon devotees. That means we should keep things more formal. You know, we should respect them. Of course, they're devotees, but we have to be careful because their philosophy is erroneous, you know. We all know that, okay, two-third vote system and all the whole mess that is going on with the GBC and all. So we should keep our distance. So then uh, the Mataji, she actually invited us for to live with them for 20 days uh, and to help them do this uh, Gurukula summer camp thing. You know? So I was pondering upon this. I was thinking, okay, here we have, um, you know, we have many... Uh, we have some opportunity to preach because this Mataji, she's well known in China. You know, she's one of the most famous uh, so-called, you know, preacher in China. She's not a preacher. You know, I understood that very fast. But anyway, uh, so I was thinking is it, it's an opportunity, but then we're not supposed to associate with them. You know, Prabhupada says, right, in the third canto and a purport that we have to be in Svajati of the same understanding. A devotee has to associate with those devotees who have the same understanding. So I was thinking, I, I guess I just won't go. You know, what good can, can come out of this? I was thinking. But then, very important aspect of spiritual life, always take guidance from senior devotee. And who is our most senior devotee? His grace and Prabhu. So I called him and I asked, I said, Prabhu, you know, there's this Mataji that's there and she's inviting us to live with them for 20 days to this Gurukula and she's famous and this and that. Prabhu said, yes, you go. <laughs> I was like, What? He said, yes, you go and you, you, um, you know, you help them in their endeavor and you, you give the classes, you know, you preach and you try to get her contacts because she's famous in China. So Prabhu would never have um, suggested that to someone whom he thought would not be fit for the job. So in other words, he trusted me that I could be able to enter there and give my association instead of receiving it. And that, that uh, it, showed, it showed to me the faith that Prabhu had in us, you know. So then I thought, okay, let, well, let's do it. <laughs> it's an adventure. We're going to be living 20 days with devotees who have a completely different understanding of the philosophy than us. So we moved in. We did it. 
then very fast we saw that this Mataji, she's she's pretty much uh, nuts, you know. She used like her husband would walk around and she was she would like smash him in front of everybody, like ah, he's like a kid, he's this, is that. Very nasty language, you know. Uh, very passionate, very uh, in the mode of ignorance, very angry. Chocolate was there in the house. Coffee was there in the house. Tea was there in the house. I mean, complete mess, you know. <laughs> and she's she's giving big, big classes online. Big, big classes, you know, like many hundreds of followers. And she's talking about Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mercy. And her own uh, life is a complete mess. So that's called Sahajya. So I never had seen close up what the Sahaja is. And now I have, wow, huge experience of what that is. It's not beautiful. It's not nice. You know, it's very harmful. They're very dangerous, these people. Um, okay, you know, respect from afar. All right, you chant Hare Krishna, but nothing I want to have to do with that person anymore. But Sunagopa Prabhu is right. He said, it's Krishna's mercy upon you, Krishna's arrangement. And yes. Why? Because there's one Mataji who came there with her two children. She's homeschooling them. And that Mataji was very serious. So it was kind of an undercover thing, you know, uh, because that, that Mataji, the, the Sahaja Mataji, you know, the, the, that lady, she, she used to give classes also sometimes to, uh, to, um, to that lady with her two children and so on. So it was only some sentimental nonsense. Oh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mercy is upon us and this and that, you know. So she would speak a lot of wrong philosophy. And then, so what I would do is that afterwards, after this class, I would go see the Mataji in, and the kids in their room and I would give a class there and I would bring Bhagavad Gita, you know, and then I would make them see and, you know, read for themselves and you see what Prabhupada is saying here, we see what Krishna is saying here. So I would dismantle the previous class <laughs> so that, you know, Mataji's understanding would be straightforward. So in this way, I kind of played, you know, uh, as an undercover while I was there. So like in like a needle, but out like a plow, you know. So we infiltrated the place and boom, we came out with the, with the, the Mataji who was sincere. You know? So for 20 days, this was going on taking care of some devotees and all, uh, I mean, some children. And it it's sort of pushing us into a direction now where we think that we would be starting this, you know, like a Gurukula slash farm community. Because the only reason why a devotee should be in the city should be to preach. City life is actually hellish. You know, it's hellish. It's rajasic. You're surrounded by every all sense objects in the city are in the mode of passion and ignorance. There's no peace of mind. I actually really hate city life. You know? I only endure it just for the sake of preaching. That's all. Otherwise, I would be in the country a long time ago. But but you see, but preaching in the city in China is really tough. I mean, because it's supposed the whole movement is centered around Harinam Sankirtan. The whole activity of the temple should be this: going out. Chanting loudly Hare Krishna and distributing books. That's it. But this, you cannot do that in China. <laughs> you do this, you go to jail. So then what do you do? So then Prabhupada, he told us, you know, farm communities should be there also. This is side by side. You know, the Varnashram system is more centered about around farm life. So then I think this is what Krishna is pushing us towards, you know, because now he, uh, we met that Mataji with the two children. 
when we came back from the preaching trip, we called her. She's actually living in a city next to us, you know, another arrangement. And she just left actually two days ago. She spent 10 days with us here. So she has a very nice relationship with my wife. She's homeschooling her children. She understands now the importance, you know, of, of uh, uh, in, uh, giving this Krishna consciousness to the children from a young age. Uh, children are not that young, 11 and 12 years old, but still they're very good boy and girl. No? And um, so now she's, she's, on, she's on board with us. And uh, while she was here, at one point, I sat down with her and I said, okay, now I need to explain to you something. And then I gave her a class, two and a half hours about the Ritvik system, you know. And I recorded that class. I kind of, I have a big TV here from the landlord and I put the TV there and I put the phone in front of the TV so that the class could be recorded. And I gave her two and a half classes in Chinese. <laughs> Normally my Chinese is really bad, but by Krishna's mercy, I was like fluent that day. And... <clears throat> I went through many of the points and after that she understood that yes you know guru is uh, self-effulgent he must be selected by krishna he comes on his own accord not that there's an authority above him that is going to chastise him when he does wrongs and put him back in line and this and that uh, so i showed you know how Prabhupada was against the system of the uh, how bhakti siddhanta sarasvati thakur was against the system that the gbc elects the acharya you know, and then why is this in the movement now? And so I went through, you know, the main points, right? So she accepts now. She sees, yes, this is bogus. And she could, and she's intelligent, so she could understand that the Mataji, where we were in that province, you know, she's a Sahaja. She takes things very cheaply. So now she's on board with us. So we made a devotee. You know, when I joined one year ago, again, full-time life, I say again, because I used to be full-time, then I worked for two years, and then again, you know. So I, I thought to myself, okay, in this, I'll try one year to be here. And, you know, in this one year, we need to make at least one devotee. That was my, our goal. And you see the year is closing now. I, I joined again August last year. Now we're August. And boom, we've made a devotee, finally. Haribol. Yes, Haribol, indeed. You know, Prabhupada said to make one Chinese devotee is like making a thousand Indian devotees. I don't know. I don't know if that's true. You know, many, many, uh, many devotees quote Prabhupada saying this, so I don't know if I've never heard that, but uh, definitely it's not easy preaching here. So since this Mataji's got two children and they're homeschooled, so the, the direction that Krishna is showing us seems to be this, you know, to take care of children, to, to make them stronger. So in this way, get them from a young age. And plus my son is, is turned four recently. He's going to turn five a year from now. I'm going to have to start to homeschool him because we definitely are not sending him to school. So that energy that I'm going to be taking to make him a devotee by homeschooling him, why not have other children and benefit other children too? So it seems to be going into that direction, you know, and plus the three Matajis here, they can go on doing their deity worship and taking care of the center here and us, we can be at the farm over there. They don't want to come, you know. So I talked to his Krishna Gopa Prabhu today, and that's what he said. He said, that's okay, you know, there's there's only as much as you can do for them. They're comfortable in their material situation at the, at the moment, the Matajis. But at least we raised the standard of deity worship when we came here. We brought Shishinita Gorasundar here. Now, you know, it's very beautiful darshan every day. So they're more uh, dedicated to deity worship as they used to be. The standard was lower. So that was raised, and then there's a prashadam distribution weekly going on that they can manage also. We've seen that the 28 days that we were away, they did it, you know. 
So at least they can go on with this. Something is there to keep them al alive and we can start something else in our farm community. So I think this is where Krishna is, is slowly uh, guiding us towards. So that's it, you know, our realization from the whole trip is this, is that if you try your best, Krishna will, will, will provide, you know, he will provide what you need, the money, he will send the devotees your way. So it only, it's only about our sincerity, how much are we willing to surrender to, to please him. And then the result will come automatically. But we should not do it to get the result. We should do it just because this is, you know, we're servants. This is our business. We have to do what Krishna wants us to do. So with that understanding, try our best. And if the result comes, then Krishna means Krishna wanted it. So, you know, how could I know that, okay, this, this Mataji would come from Shenzhen and she would be there and I would, you know, the whole thing was completely out of my, my thinking and planning. But it happened. Okay, so I'd like to end the class here. So thank you very much for joining. Pankaj uh, Lochan Prabhu, I've heard I've heard that uh, by Sundagoba Prabhu that you you might you going to Puducherry, is it? I think your microphone is off somehow. Or maybe Bluetooth Bluetooth devices there. I cannot hear him. Can anybody hear him? Uh, no problem. Yeah, I, I see you're unmuting yourself, but still we cannot hear. So maybe some problem with the application, you know. Can you try leaving and coming back in? Typing? <laughs> Anyway, Pankaj Lochan probably is, I think he's, okay, you can just say a yes with your head. Are you going to Puducherry, Prabhu? Yes, Haribo, okay. Haribo. Oh, today, yeah? Today you're leaving. Okay, very nice. So, yes, we've got I another. am leaving on 31. Oh, 31, you're going to Puducherry also, Himanshu Prabhu. Yes, Prabhu. Yes, Jai. So you'll be meeting I am there. going on second, Prabhu. Wow, all of you are going to meet up. Yes, bro, we will all meet. Yeah, Sami and Dimitri are missing, though. They're far away in another country. <laughs> okay, that's great, you know. So try to push things down there. Now you have such a great uh, opportunity. You're all going to be associating with one another. You're all young and enthusiastic. So try to, you know, push things. Help His Grace Pralat Prabhu, you know. Pralat Prabhu is a very good devotee. He's trying his best to build a temple now. You know, this is the first temple built by ISKM. So, so things are not settled. It's not that it's a full running fledged temple like in Singapore. No, you have to do the work. You know, you have to support him so, to try to get the thing going. So even if sometimes you see some discrepancy happening there, never mind because it's the start. When we start a temple, there's always some things that are, you know, are not fully in order. So whether you see some devotees maybe not strict or anything, never mind. That will come later on. For the moment, the important is that we try to get that temple done and try to make devotees, you know. So please offer your help as much as you can to His Grace Prahlad Prabhu. And uh, I'm sure we'll have a, a wonderful temple very soon in a few years, you know, then Puducherry with many young, enthusiastic devotees. 
So thank you very much. Thank you so much for joining the session today. And uh, please applaud thank you, this. Thank you, Prabhu. For class. I think we've, uh, you know, Prabhupada's class, this class of Prabhupada that we've covered is really um, very powerful. You know, it shows that actually working is based on false ego. You know, we don't need to work to maintain ourselves. Krishna is going to maintain us. Even as Grihastas, you know, Prabhupada said it, even, even my livelihood, we can give up. You know, because Krishna says Sarva Dharman, if you have faith actually that Krishna will will take care of you, then yes. Uh, for them who constantly worship me with love and devotion, I carry what they lack and I preserve what they have. But Prabhupada in that class, he translated how? He said, I will take care of whatever necessities that they need. I will give. That's how he translated. So this eating and sleeping, what Krishna cannot take care? Of course he can. You know? And he cannot take care of our family if we surrender? Of course he can. So that faith we must have. You know. Okay, thank you. Vanchakal Patriu Bescha, Kripa Sindhu Bhayavacha. Nandukudi Vaishnavindiki Jai. 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 Jai.